When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Mom and Dad are Fighting is sponsored by Fracture, the company that prints photos directly onto glass. Preserve memories with a unique and modern gift that's a bit like hanging an iPad on your wall. Fractures are ready to mount right out of the package with one simple screw. Go to Fracture.me to upload your photo and get 15% off your order with the code MOMANDDAD. That's Fracture.me and use the code MOMANDDAD. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, January 1st, the Better Luck This Year edition. I'm Allison Benedict, an editor at Slate and the mom of Harry 6, Sam 3, and Wally 1. Dan is off this week, and joining me today instead is the dad I actually fight with in real life, my husband... <laughs> It's so uncomfortable. My husband, John Cook. Hello, dear. <laughs> who, in addition to being Harry Sam and Wally's father and a slate spouse, is also the investigations editor at Gawker Media or will be starting next week. Hi, John Cook. Hey, hun. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. John doesn't listen to this show, so he has no idea what's happening. <laughs> I have listened. <laughs> On today's show, we'll be joined by several slate staffers who will give us their parenting resolutions for 2015. Then we'll take parenting questions from some other Slate staffers, the child-free ones, including our producer, Anne, plus parenting triumphs and fails, a listener call about booze and recommendations. A couple of announcements before we get started. If you haven't signed up yet for Slate Plus, have you signed up for Slate Plus? I do. I have signed up for Slate Plus. I get lovely Slate Plus emails all the time and all sorts of great bonus content that I'm really excited about. (laughs) Well, if you haven't been getting the bonus content, you know the language, Slate Spouse. (laughs) You really, really should. And here's one good reason why. The writers and editors of Outward, Slate's LGBTQ section, will be hosting a live show on Tuesday, February 3rd at City Winery in New York. It will be a great evening of queer conversation about the latest gay news, culture, and controversy. Slate's J. Brian Lauder, Mark Joseph Stern, and June Thomas will share the stage with a fabulous guest that will be named a little closer to showtime. And at the very end of the evening, audience members will have an opportunity to pose their very own Ask a Homo questions. If you don't know this series, Slate does a video series called Ask a Homo, where people ask questions like, why do lesbians drive Subarus and wear flannel? And our gay and lesbian staffers answer those questions. So you'll be able to do that live at the show. And here's why it's a reason to join Slate Plus, because until 3 p.m. today, tickets are only available to Slate Plus members, so you can get them before they sell out. In addition to signing up for Slate Plus, please subscribe to Mom and Dad are Fighting in iTunes or your favorite podcast app and keep spreading the word in 2015. Okay, on to triumphs and fails. John, what do you got? Uh, okay, so uh, I had a my parenting triumph would be uh, actually it's a little it's actually close to a fight that we actually did have. Uh, we were uh, we spent Christmas in Southern Virginia this year. We loaded up our minivan with our f- the five of us and our dog and drove to uh, Southern Virginia, which is a pretty long drive from New York. We stopped over in um, Northern Virginia and then continued on south. And on the way back. We were planning on doing the same thing, driving up from Southern Virginia, stopping in Northern Virginia like after three hours and then the next sleeping and then the next day going up. And uh, I decided after spending a couple hours in uh, in the car with our screaming obnoxious children and then another couple of hours having dinner with our screaming obnoxious children to call an audible and just get the whole damn thing over with and 
pile them back in the car, loaded down with Christmas presents, and uh, and put them to sleep at like eight o'clock, and drive in a like quiet, uh, silent tomb of a of a of a minivan, gliding uh, down the the Jersey Turnpike with no traffic, uh, and did the DC to New York trip in three and a half hours, which is almost a personal best, certainly a personal best since, uh, since, uh, uh, we've been, uh, together. And that was a triumph for me to convince you to just pull up stakes, go put them down. They sleep. It's quiet. We listen to the radio and go. Also, because since they're sleeping, I felt the need to be quiet and not wake them. So you've actually <laughs> also got the bonus, bonus of me not talking to you as well. Yes, I, we did fight about that. I didn't want to do it. And it was a triumph. I agree. You were right. And I think, generally speaking, it makes sense to, to <laughs> we'll pursue discuss it. that. We'll be, discuss it. We'll that, take it on a case-by-case basis. I think that Let's should be a standard on. operating procedure. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, my, I have a fail which was that our two oldest kids, Harry and Sam, we were we were not strict. I wouldn't say we were strict about television, but we didn't we definitely didn't let Harry watch TV until he was two, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's the recommendation from the American Academy of Pediatrics, I Academy believe, yes. of American Pediatrics, whatever <laughs> it's called. And Sam, I think we tried to stick with that, and I don't know if we were incredibly successful, but like we were more successful than we are with Wally, <laughs> who has just, you know, watched a ton of TV, knows how to say Chima, knows how to, like, sing the Do Ninjago. Do people know what Chima is? Is that, like, is that Well, vernacular? probably because I've talked about it before yeah. on the show. He knows theme songs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's, like, 20 months. So my fail is that, is that. but it was pointed out to me, uh, especially this morning when, after breakfast, as you were showering, he said, all done, watch TV. <laughs> and then, and I was like, oh, God. And then he changed his mind. He thought about it. He walked into the living room, about to go into the couch to watch TV with his brothers. And instead, his eye caught the iPad <laughs> on the dining room table. And he climbed up and said, want iPad, uh, which he got and then sat on the chair in front of the television looking at the iPad. Well, he um, can. the good thing is he can be entertained by the iPad without any actual content being right. displayed on like, the iPad, just like the photographs of, of you know, yes. the cycles. Right. So, yeah, but I think that's probably a fail and one that, you know, we can't turn around. I do have one really quick thing. That, I don't know if I'd call it a triumph or more of a feat. Um, our children, we only have one bathroom, as I've explained before, <laughs> in our apartment. And recently, both of our children, Harry and Sam, both had to go to the bathroom very, very badly at the same time. And they managed to... Um, one peed sitting down while the other one peed standing up through his the other the middle. Harry peed standing up through Sam's legs, and I find that to be an amazing triumph. And I'm sure they'll be delighted that that, that triumph is memorialized uh, on the internet forever now. Yes. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, as we're taping this episode, it is New Year's Eve day, and everyone is trying to get their work done and get out of Dodge for the new year. But also everyone's reflecting on their past year and thinking about what they want to change in 2015, which is never really possible. You'll, there will never be change. It'll always be the same. But a few select colleagues of my wife, who are also parents, are going to share with us their parenting resolutions for the next year. Um, and a few brave souls are willing to go on record on a massively successful podcast to which you're listening right now to say what they plan to do next year, knowing full well that they will likely fail. First up is Slate Editor-in-Chief Julia Turner. Hi, you really raised the stakes there. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like resolutions are just so low stakes because you know you're only going to do them for seven days. Like, that's my, that's my expectation. But I'm looking forward to that week. All right, so what do you got? What are you going to do? So my husband and I have twins who are almost two. And a thing that twin parents tell you and that twin parenting books tell you and that, in general, people tell you about twins is that you should separate them and have, like, one go on an errand with dad and one hang out with mom and have them spend time apart from each other as autonomous individuals in the world so that they don't get confused about whether they're just one person with two bodies. And we are terrible at this. We never do it. It's just, I don't know why. I think it's just easier to have one parent just watch them both while the other one runs out to do an errand or goes to the gym or, you know, whatever. So I think we're going to try and do a little bit more solo time with our kids in this year. But I'm curious, since you guys have multiple kids, I mean, obviously this comes up in a non-twin context. Do you guys try to make solo time for each of your kids? I mean, it is incredibly inefficient and kind of, and, and defeats the purpose to have both of you with one kid. Like, there, that, that's a time, like, there should always be a time when, 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 when one parent can be free of any 
child responsibilities. Uh, but uh, we we have trouble separating them. Actually, we we um, ours are two years apart, so they're pretty. Our middle kid, Sam, kind of thinks he's a big. He thinks he's his brother's age and thinks his like his friends are his brother's friends. And uh, every time they go off and do one thing alone, it's actually like a little bit of a struggle getting getting Sam to to. Yeah, they don't so much want to be separated. Although the, when we do separate, I do think they enjoy it. Like I think I never feel like they're like hungry for that time, but I always feel like actually afterward, I'm glad that we did it. But it is a different scenario than with twins. We're not entirely worried about like creating their separate identities. I mean, it seems to me like they're going to figure that out eventually, and that I don't. I don't know. <laughs> they better. <laughs> I guess maybe that's my job. I mean, the only thing is that if you split up all the time, I mean, I think you should do it sometimes. But if you split up all the time, and we do this a lot, and I really don't like it, we're like never together on the weekends. Yeah. Like we split up because we do split up because one of them has one activity and one of them has the other. It's not really because of some, you know great parenting we're trying to do and it's sad we're never all together it's nice that you guys hang out all four of you together yeah. or yeah I, I mean that's one of the things that's great about twins at least for the first i don't know 12 to 15 months is it's a lot and it imperils them to play one on two i mean like you know, people do it obviously but it it we we spent a lot of time all four of us for the first like 15 months and now that they are almost two and can play independently and just like toodle around you know bothering stuff around the house it's nice to be able to do a little bit more like normal singleton parents and do the handoff thing that we've yeah. seen other parents do. But now the handoff thing is so nice because you can go and be free that to try and be like, okay, well, I'm not just going to go get a croissant and have it take four minutes. I'm going to like bundle him up and get a yeah. croissant and have it take 40 minutes. And, you know, the, 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 we will try and steal our nerve to do a little bit more of that this year, I think. All right. We will check in with you next year to see how it went. There's follow-ups. <laughs> <laughs> this will happen at your review, Julia. <laughs> All right. Happy so. New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bye. Bye. Okay, next up, we were supposed to call Emily Yaffe, our great advice columnist, Dear Prudence. But instead, we are talking to her daughter. Prudy's college-age daughter is on the line to tell us what New Year's resolution she thinks her mother should make. Hey. Hello, hello. Hello. So tell us, what is your mom doing wrong and what should she do do different? Well, I wouldn't say she's really doing anything wrong, but um, your relationship changes a little bit when, yes, your kid is out of the house. And before I left, I was kind of concerned that, um, you know, she would revert back to a kind of very animalistic lifestyle (laughs) without having someone else to care for. And unfortunately, it's happened a little bit. Uh, One of the big things is that sometimes I'll get emails from her at like three in the morning when I'm at school. So I think one of her resolutions should be to um, just get to sleep more. You know, it's a little bit like, you know, having a small child take care of themselves. <laughs> this is incredibly condescending. For these well, no, you know, <laughs> just some basic things. She needs to um, get more sleep. Also, another concern is that every time I come home, I've been home a few times, there is nothing in the fridge. So go shopping. Yeah, so maybe go shopping. <laughs> no, you no go, he's saying you, you go, go shopping. shopping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe eat some food. I, I think that could also be, you know, a really great resolution for 2015 is to eat three meals a day. None of them should be happening past midnight. It seems like you're ready to be a parent. <laughs> well, it, she would say I should wait. <laughs> well, we say go for it <laughs> on this parenting podcast. <laughs> and I also just think it's really important for her to take at least one night off a week and just kind of enjoy herself and maybe watch a movie, get off her email, stop looking at, you know, articles about how young people need to get more sleep and send them to me. <laughs> it's funny. I get them at about three in the morning. So those are... So she needs to stay off her devices. Yeah. Just yeah. stay, yeah, have one night device free. <laughs> okay. I, I think those are great things. I mean, I we have three little kids, and we're very much looking forward to the day when they go off to college <laughs> and we can sleep and take care of ourselves and eat well. So I'm ashamed that Emily isn't doing that, and she should definitely take advantage of you being I think gone. she should be doing whatever it is. That, I mean, that's, you know, it's her place. She's free. She can do live as she pleases. That's the that's the glory. Like, kids out, and just now it's, you know, it's all hers. So Okay. Well, enjoy your own. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Thanks. Happy New Year. You too. Okay, next up, we have politics editor Will Dobson. Hey, Will. 
Hi. Okay, so what do you want to do with your kids next year? So I was trying to come up with something that I actually think I could do, that, you know, that's actually sort of achievable. And what dawned on me, and it was kind of surprising that I, this has like never occurred to me before, is that my kids who are you know, not babies, they're not old, but at four and six are, are, you know, have, you know, are not new to us, uh, I have never taken either of my kids to the ocean. So this is sort of part resolution, part confession. Um, I mean, basically, they travel a lot, and they, you know, we spend our summers usually up in the Adirondacks, and, you know, we've, they've spent time in lakes and on beaches at ponds and lakes and things like that, but I have never actually taken them and to the big they have never water. they have never seen an ocean or you have never taken has someone else taken them to no, see an ocean they have never seen the ocean wow except for on a globe we're crying <laughs> we're both crying you know they're aware <laughs> that the oceans exist <laughs> but they have no idea what it means to actually you know approach that body of water and see the vast expanse it's going to be and, terrifying for them i mean and, and i can't even believe it's like how especially with my 6 year old like how did we somehow we've never taken them to like bethany beach or any of the very easy things that one could do, you know, on a Saturday, uh, living in the Washington D.C. area or something like that. You know, never. So um, I forget something. where you and your wife are from. Are you guys like? Did you spend time at the beach growing up? Well, not a lot, frankly. But you know, it's not. I mean, I have nothing against it. I mean, we're more mountain woodsy people. Like that's more of our thing. We like, you know, we like to, you know, and that divide of mountains and beaches. We'd prefer to spend time in the mountains. But you know, I mean, this is like something that every you know I was born in Rhode Island and on a naval base of all things. So, you know, I mean, I, you know, there are a lot of photographs of me, like, you know, crawling a lot, around on the rocks near the shore, you know, of the ocean. Um, We're calling no, in a therapist. There are no such photos of my children. So. I mean, I'm with you on the mountains versus oceans divide. I, I don't like beaches and I don't like kids on beaches. It's right. messy and there's sand everywhere and it's, it's, uh, but they have a blast and, you know, uh, do they, are they, have they been on, on beaches like, like lake, uh, yeah, river beaches? Yeah, they've been on like lake beaches yeah. and things like that, which is fine, you know, and, um, but, you know, I'm not, you know, we all know that there's a difference. And <laughs> this water moves, son. So yeah, just, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just sort of the waves. They've never really, so as a result, then they've never really seen waves either. Yeah. The only waves they've seen is like when a motorboat goes by. <laughs> um, so, um, so this is like, this is just a clearly a blind spot. You know, I mean, there are other things that we want to do. Like we haven't taken them to, to, you know, on a big, you know, trip that involves a foreign passport or anything like that. They haven't been to Europe or anything like that. And, and these are all things that are important to us and we want to do at some point. But it just strikes me that, like, here's this thing. It's kind of, like, practically at our doorstep. And uh, so we'll remedy this in uh, 2015. Where do, you, where do you think you'll go? On a cruise? <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, I would, you know, I, I bet we'll, like, the ambitious version, which would actually involve some travel, would be, like, saying, okay, we're going to go to Florida or something like that. Um, but more likely, you know, we can make it to Annapolis or St. Michael's or someplace that's like sort of within the driving radius of D.C. area. And that could be like our maiden voyage to a beach. And then if they really love it, you know, maybe South Carolina or Florida is in our future. <laughs> All right. Exactly. Thanks, Will. Thank you. Okay, next up is Slate's wonderful parenting columnist. She writes a column called The Kids, Melinda Wenner-Moyer. Hey, Melinda. Hi. So tell us, what do you want to do differently in 2015? My parenting resolution is to get out of the habit um, that I have of feeding my three-year-old kids food. So um, he's on this endless rotation of basically the same five meals chicken fingers, fish sticks, hot dogs, and like three types of vegetables because that's all he wants to eat. Um, and it's really terrible. Um, I realized the other day he has never tried a cucumber and I was like, oh my God, I was mortified. I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to do this, but I am determined. <laughs> okay. And if you feed him a grown-up meal or whatever we're calling it, not the, not the things that are already in his rotation and he doesn't eat it, what, what, do you give him something else that night? Do you offer a B plan or is that, that, that going to be it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think from what I've read, I, what I'll probably do is have him try the adult meal at least, you know, make him take at least one bite. And, um, and then if he, if he hates it, you know, I'll say, okay, thank you for trying it. We're going to try it again tomorrow if there's some left, you know, and then have some kind of backup plan. 
I don't want them to go hungry, and I know it can take time for kids to adapt to new flavors, and so you know, I'll give him a, a few tries, and, and then we'll go from there. So we are complete failures in this department, <laughs> right, honey? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, yeah. The biggest failure to me is our oldest is really picky, like you said, or I don't know, or we've allowed him to be picky or mm-hmm. created him to be this picky monster. Um, but our middle kid and our youngest are pretty good eaters, but we have not cooked to, I don't cook, but we haven't provided food um, to let that part of them flourish. We instead cook for the pickiest, yeah. which I think is just like, I really regret that and it's a bad decision. So maybe your youngest will be a little bit looser. And if you start, when she starts eating, if you start, you know, experimenting more for her, that will just naturally help yeah. things along. We didn't do it, but I'm, it's just right. a, maybe. I don't know, we a thought. <laughs> That would be a good resolution for us to Yeah, adopt. it's a good I think it's, of all these resolutions, yeah. that's probably the one for us to also <laughs> sign on for. So let's check back in in a yeah. year. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Melinda. Happy Thank New Year. Bye bye. Okay, so next up is senior editor Jessica Winter, who's actually calling us from maternity leave. And it's her birthday. Hello. Hi, Jessica. It's nice to be here. Happy birthday. Thank you. Well, her birthday was yesterday. Right. It's very confusing in the world of podcasts. Her birthday (laughs) is today as we are talking to her, but this podcast appears tomorrow, which is today to you listening. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Jessica, what is your parenting resolution? Okay. So first of all, I just need to say that I feel a little sheepish being called a parent because it's only been seven weeks and you guys have three kids of varying ages and I just feel like a trainee or an apprentice. (laughs) It's true. That's how we think of you. (laughs) (laughs) So with that caveat, um, my resolution, I think, is to, is to break a kind of thought pattern or a habit of mind that I, I can feel solidifying even this, this early seven weeks in. Um, and that is th- this, this notion, this voice in my head that I am the primary parent, I am the number one be-all, end-all, and that my husband, Adrian, is, is somehow like a backup or a plan B or like the world's greatest glorified babysitter or something like that. I, I, I feel this happening all the time. Like, I'll, I'll give Adrian the baby um, so that I can take a shower or something, and I just totally feel like I'm on borrowed time and that he's doing me this big favor and that I shouldn't take advantage of his generosity, and, which is ludicrous. It's bonkers. Like, he is a totally committed and besotted co-parent. This is all internal. There are no external influences um, guiding this like it's just something that i need to get over how does adrian feel about this he senses it and is very reassuring about it and um you know he's amazing with her and and i i should i should really work on this i mean literally yesterday i was in the shower and i was like i can skip the conditioner i don't i don't need conditioner i can just uh, shampoo is fine and you know just raced back and and it's it's just silly she's fine with him and it's not because you're worried about her you're worried about him feeling stuck with her yes which is completely he has never you know even for a split second given any indication that he wants anything other than more time with her actually so this is very familiar to me. We should go have a drink. Uh, and I wish that I could say that we've solved this, but this is probably still an issue in our family to some degree. Right, John? Um, yeah, I mean, it's actually, I think it's a little bit different. There are two kind of slightly different. I mean, there's there's the one issue of like that, that, uh, that, I recall from those days where like there's, you know, there's a sort of primary caregiver to those young infants. And then you kind of evolve out of that, I think, and then you get to just more like how to divide the 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 various chores that that parenting in, entails. That and that that's not necessarily like you know there there are there are always going to be uh, there's going to have to be like one person who is the primary interface with the school. Like that doesn't make sense to have two different sort of lines of communication for like school school crap, but. I don't know. It, it, there's there's a difference between the idea that like with an infant that like the the mommy is the mommy and that the 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 daddy is sort of like a little bit of an intruder in that relationship. And then when you get to the kind of stuff that you and I have been dealing with about like just how to divide stuff up. Um, I don't know. Maybe. But feel- I think well, but I think some of the the things Jessica's talking about carry through. I mean, I do think that like you don't have you, and I think probably many fathers. Uh, maybe I'm generalizing. Don't have like the guilt. 
maybe that I, like I have a lot of guilt about like when I get home and you've gotten the kids or something I I feel like I have to apologize right and that that it like like you said Jessica it's internal it's not coming from you mm-hmm. you don't feel that way at right. all uh, and I don't know where that comes from and it's 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 pressure uh, so Do you I think the the foundations for that were laid really early on laid by me maybe yeah, I mean like yeah. I feel about John I mean things have changed and things you know our sharing of parenting has changed in through different stages and we definitely don't you know, I think the co-parenting ideal is very hard to live up to when you start dealing with different jobs that are, you know, take up different amounts of time. But uh, early on, John was like, it sounds like what Adrian was like, just there. I mean, even with hair, with our first child, John wasn't working during my maternity leave, so he was really there. And then for three months afterward, I think. Right. But I do think, yeah, early on, it is on the mom. Like, the baby is always on the mom. Yeah. Um, for reasons that you already talked about. And... I don't know. I don't know why it is that that you feel that you feel frantic in the shower or you take a little walk like your husband says, go take a walk, just get some air. It'll be fine. And you feel I mean, I think some I think some of it is because you it is about like, what if the baby's hungry and crying and there's nothing, you know, you're the you're its only lifeline. Yeah, there is this weird mother's guilt that I don't think fathers experience. I'd be interested to hear our listeners call in or email in to say if this is a familiar dynamic to them. Uh, I definitely think, though, there are things you can do next year to work on it, and I think it will be different once you come back to work. Please come back to work. <laughs> uh, and in that, you will have to, like, you will actually have to, like, have a structure that you don't have to have right now. Right. It is. I think parenting so far, as we've learned, and we're, you think we're, far, you know, we're farther along than you, but there are plenty of people listening who are much farther along uh, than us, is like this, if you're, especially if you're trying to co-parent to a certain degree, it is like either you choose, like, we're not each going to we're not doing halvesies on each task. So this is your task and this is my task. You always deal with, you know, whatever, opening the mail and I always deal with school communications. Like that's a way to do it. Or we do a lot of trading like every other morning we trade with who, who gets the kids and who makes breakfast. Sometimes I think that works really well. Sometimes I think it's crazy that we have this like, you know, bifurcated system. Life. Yeah. yeah, that it's constantly that we're constantly just like basically keeping track, keeping yeah. track of, yeah. uh, and I don't know what's better. I mean, I think probably what's easiest is in a family where one person just like naturally wants to, I don't know if anybody naturally wants to do all this stuff. We've talked about this on the show before. It's like, there's a lot of stuff that nobody wants to do and someone has to do it and you have to find a way. And probably it does fall on the mother more to find a way to get the father to do as much of it as he should be doing. <laughs> I th- no, I, I mean, I think that's, I, don't know. I think that's true. I mean, <clears throat> I think that the nat- like still, even the most involved fathers, there is like some degree of like the natural course of things is that this is what the mom will take care of. Right. I'd also just like to interject here, in my opinion, that stay at home moms are lazy. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's just kidding. He's kidding. <laughs> I have listened to this podcast. Off. Uh, All right. <laughs> uh, but I, I do think for, for, for you, Jessica, that, that there is like an element of the first months of life that like he is literally just support staff. I mean, that's, you know, that's all. And that's hard. Yeah. So I don't know. It's complicated. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) But you're doing a great job. She's great. Well, I have to say uh, right before uh, you called me, I changed the diaper genie for, I think the second time uh, in seven weeks. And that really brought home how much the support staff has been doing to keep this little family afloat. So yes. <laughs> I will try not to take it for granted. <laughs> you should feel very guilty about that. <laughs> okay. Happy New Year. Happy birthday. Thanks. Happy New Year. Bye. Bye. Okay. Before we move along, John, do you have a resolution? Uh, stop yelling at my children. That is the same as mine. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe that will stop them from yelling at me, which they've started to they're do. Both, they're yeah. all talking about this at home now. The, their resolution is to, is to stop yelling at us. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We hear you. We'll check back within you, with you in a year. Okay. Before we get to our listener call, let's pause to talk about a new advertiser. Today's sponsor is Fracture, which is a company that prints your photos in vivid color directly onto glass. If you are like me, you take a bazillion photos with your phone, or if you are like my mother, you take them with your iPad, which is totally weird. Does everybody else's mom do that? I think it's so strange. And then you never print them out, or you only print them out on regular printer paper when you have to send in a family photo for your kid's class project. 
And if you do manage to print out a photo onto actual photo paper, the best you can do in terms of hanging it is putting it on the fridge with a magnet. When is really, really, when is the last time you actually bought a frame and put a picture on the wall? If everyone's like, oh, I do it all the time. Well, I don't. Uh, But now you will. It's really easy, minus the frame part, because Fracture makes it simple. Just go to Fracture's website, FractureMe.com, upload your photo, place your order, and in a few days you'll receive your picture in the mail, ready to be mounted on the wall. Uh, They even include the screw you'll need to mount it. Fractures are different from traditional pictures and frames. Instead of printing on paper, Fracture prints directly onto glass. Instead of separating that picture, the frame, and mount, a Fracture combines all three into a beautiful, lasting final product. And if this doesn't sound awesome to you, you should go to their website and check out the video because I actually, after checking it out yesterday to uh, write this ad, I made John watch it (laughs) because I want him to buy me some or I want to buy some. We have a wall. This was a present for, what was this that you did this for me? Um, Our anniversary one year? I don't year? Rem- Maybe it was a birthday. I don't remember. It was, one you know. gift John did for me, which was lovely, was to put a wall of, make a wall of photos in our house with all different frames. And I love it very much, but it's crazy town. Like, it's like all different size frames and they're all like crooked and they're falling down. And I want to redo it with <laughs> fractures. <laughs> I want to have a fracture with straight, wall. Straight, clean lines. Modern. Yeah. Yes. Okay, and that so, took like two days of solid work. We're tearing it all down. Yeah. So to get some beautiful pictures on your wall and to get 15% off for being our listeners, go to FractureMe.com and enter the code MOMANDDAD. All capital letters, M-O-M-A-N-D-D-A-D. That's Mom and Dad for 15% off. All right. On to our listener call from Anne in Silver Spring, Maryland. Hi. This is Anne from Silver Spring, Maryland. Allison and Dan, I'm a huge fan of the show, and I'm a Wisconsin native, so I always appreciate Dan's Midwestern sensibilities being represented here. Speaking of which, my question is about a uh, Wisconsin pastime uh, beer drinking, really just about how to treat alcohol in your home. Um, My daughter is not quite a year, so we won't have to worry about this for a little while, but I can imagine it being something that we think a lot about later on. I wouldn't describe my husband and I as necessarily heavy drinkers, but we like to keep beer in the house to have, you know, regularly after work or on weekend afternoons, and um, my husband likes to brew his own beer. So I remember when my parents, when I was growing up, my parents hardly ever drank, and I'm wondering if sort of taking a break from regular drinking is what most parents end up doing as their kids get older. So I'm curious, um, do you guys keep alcohol in your house? And if so, um, how often do you drink it? and kind of what your philosophies are on this. Appreciate any thoughts. Love the show. Thanks. I'll field this one, hon. <laughs> um, I, as a, I, I come from a family of drinkers. I went to school in Wisconsin and drank a lot there. Um, and, uh, you know, a family I, of drinkers and a family of some. Well, there are some family members who, who have suffered alcoholism, but, uh, my mother used – I remember my mom used to have uh, uh, singles parties, which sounds really like uh, sor- sorted, but they were not sorted affairs. But she, she was a single mother in, in the 1980s and she would have parties and get all her friends over. And I remember like, you know, load helping load in case after case of, of beer and liquor for these events that she had. And then as I got older, we would steal it and, and, and you know, it was, we would be able to grab a six-pack and, and run out in the woods behind the house and drink it during these parties. But So I was around alcohol a lot. I remember, you know, stealing a, a glass of, I mean, a sip of my mom's wine. I remember my uncle, um, when my brother was 12 years old, my uncle, he wanted a beer and my, at a Thanksgiving, I believe it was. And my uncle said, okay, here you go. And, and he ended up drinking like three or four beers and throwing up. And that was like a kind of... Um, you know, the idea was like, you'll never do that again. Like, this but is, he did. Well, you know, <laughs> but it was an unpleasant experience where it. it's like kind of like when you catch a kid smoking and then you sit down and make him smoke a whole pack of cigarettes. Don't do that. <laughs> Nobody does that. <laughs> but but, uh, but so uh, anyway, I am, you know, we drink, I drink around our, our kids. They know it as like, you know, daddy juice. I don't get drunk around them. I don't, I, you know, I, uh, but I think it's, uh, I think it's normal and appropriate to to show them a kind of like, 
it's a marker of adulthood kind of. It's like a little bit of a, a thing that adults do that you don't get to do. And I think it's good to show them, to model for them kind of normal, healthy drinking. I mean, you know, and also it helps, you know, Allison has started uh, opening a beer who never drinks. My wife never drinks. Um, certainly, certainly never drank like in a, in a kind of non-social capacity and within the last, uh, I don't know, six months, maybe she started, uh, cracking open a beer every night when she gets home to sort of take the edge off. In an effort to fulfill my 2015 resolution. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. um, I mean, I think especially our, you know, Anne, you said you and your husband really enjoy, you know, drinking and enjoy brewing. So I, I wouldn't say like if you're a family who, if you're a parents who don't actually drink you don't need to start drinking to like, model good behavior for, <laughs> it, your, it helps. For, your, for your kids but yeah it's a there's nothing wrong with um having some drinks obviously there are exceptions if you have like genetic disposition to alcoholism there are things you would want to be careful about and there is some research comparing countries uh, that suggests that where there's more drinking overall the number of problem drinkers in those countries uh, increases but i think you know, I, I think that what you're describing, Anne, sounds like something that you don't need to give up. I've actually ne- I have, have not heard. I don't know any parents who, like, don't drink around yeah. their kids. That doesn't seem. And, and actually, you know, part of what we do now, which is different from what our parents did, is, like, we socialize when our kids are around. Like, our parents, my parents used to get a babysitter every mm-hmm. Saturday night and go out. And they didn't, like, we didn't do a lot of, like hang out with other families at night so the parents could, like, have adult time and the kids could play. But that's how w- what we do because either we don't want to pay for a babysitter or we feel like we want to spend, you know, more time around, near our children. <laughs> uh, and so when you have friends over and you have some drinks or you have brunch and you have Bloody Marys, I mean, that just, you know, it's nice. And I'm in favor of, you know, when they, you know, when uh, you've, you you you've objected to this, but, like, they come over and want to smell it or want a sip of it, I'll give them a sip of it. Like, oh, I totally object to that. It'll that's... be disgusting. They'll never, they don't, it's, it tastes vile to them, but it's to demystify it. Like I don't it's know. Not... I'm not for that. I'm not for that. I disagree with you. Mom and dad are fighting for, in a friendly way right now. And we'll discuss, why? We'll discuss what's, it later. What's, they're not <laughs> we'll gonna, talk about it's not, it later. They're not gonna, they're not, it's not going to affect them neurologically. I, it's, I just don't think know. our three-year-old needs to start tasting. Well, I'm not going to get my three. But, but Harry, yeah. a six-year-old, you know, this is what it tastes like, and you'll, you'll, you won't like it. But I do think, and I didn't listen to the episode, I'm sorry, that Dan did when I was away uh, with Jessica, the co-host, about smoking pot. And I'm not, I don't know if they said, like, that you should go home and smoke some pot every night. But for me, ha- oh, cracking a beer when I get home from work, when it's stressful and the, you know, ahead of me is a couple of hours of putting the kids to sleep. Having, like, really, like, I never even finish it, a half a beer, though, mm. does make me yell at them less. And I'm, like, I'm, I'm all right with that. I'm, I'm good with that. All right, Anne, thanks for the great question. And please, listeners, call us with your questions at 424-255-7833. That's 424-255-RUDE. Leave us a message, and we will hopefully answer it on an upcoming show. All right, on to our next segment. Every week, you guys email us with your thoughts on the show, and about half of the emails, I'd say, even the mad ones, end like this. Love the show, and I don't even have kids. This used to surprise us. Why are you weirdos without children listening to a show about parenting? Do something else with your time, please. Uh, but now we take pride in being the favorite parenting podcast for people who aren't parents. I have no idea if we're actually the favorite, <laughs> but let's just assume that. Uh, so this week, in an effort to address you, the great mass of child-free listeners out there who are either considering having kids or have decided they'd rather not and like hearing about what a good decision that was, John and I are going to answer the parenting questions of our child-free colleagues. Uh, Our great producer, Anne, is one of them. So she'll read off the questions, and John and I will do our best to answer like the parenting experts. We are not. Okay. So I'm going to first start off with my own question. Okay. So my husband and I, we are very much on the not on the fence about having kids. You know, I'm 40, he's 40, we're not going to have them. But we're very much invested aunts and uncles. And so, you know, every family is different, but we take our role very seriously. And one of the things that we're able to do for one of our nieces is kind of offer and provide things for her that her parent can't afford financially. But at the same time, it's like we don't want to put 
his sister in a position of feeling awkward about this, but we do want to be able to provide for her in, you know, sending her to camp if she wants to go to camp or maybe even helping out with any kind of like small college fund. So we're now starting to discuss how do we broach that subject of maybe wanting to be more involved financially in her life without offending her mother or just kind of overstepping our bounds in any particular way. Have you talked to your, is it your sister-in-law or your sister? My sister-in-law. Have you talked to her about this yet? Uh, No, not yet. This is something that we've been thinking about just recently. Well, first of all, I would say that I hope John's brother and wife are listening because you sound like a wonderful aunt. Um, all the best to you, uh, John's brother and sister. Are, I, I thought you were going. I thought you were going to be like, we really want to help, so we are going to babysit sometimes or something <laughs> like that. But, yeah. um, but I, you know, it sounds like you're going to be sensitive about it because you're already thinking about it in a sensitive way. My guess would be, although, like you said, every family is different, every dynamic is different, you know, as long as you, I think it would be a mistake to, like, cut your, start cutting your niece checks or start buying her extravagant gifts uh, without discussing it first with her mother. I think, you know, you go, you go through the mom. Um, But just like I think most parents would be pleased for a grandparent to set up some sort of college savings account or gift their child in a smart way. I think, you know, I think your sister will be. One thing is to, like, maybe try to do it in some way on her terms. Like, Mm -hmm. you want to be generous. Sounds like you are very generous. Um, And maybe you have ideas about the way in which you want to be generous. But perhaps your sister-in-law knows best about what, you know, their family's needs are. And being open to her suggestions might be, like, a way to start the conversation. Yeah, I mean, I... I think it's 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 great. It's very generous. I would probably say also that you're like the, it's a familial thing, like a blood thing. So like your husband should take the lead on it. You know what I mean? Like um, it's different if that conversation is ha- is between in laws and between sort of some you know the the, the brother and sister. Uh, and the other thing I'd say is that there are a lot of things that that uh, people with kids we have we have a my brother and his wife don't have children and they're not going to and and um, there are a lot of things that that I would like them to do um, with and for our children that don't have to do with money. But like, it would be great to one day be able to send a kid out to California, live in California, send a kid out there for a week or, or what, or, or play some kind of, you know, or when we're all together, which, you know, like my view of when our family all gets together is um, that, and we, and there are couples who don't have kids. Like they should just say, give us the kids. You guys go. Like that's what you want it, during those sort of compressed family times, and uh, and those kinds of things can also be really uh, uh, helpful and meaningful to, to to relatives with kids. So, okay, great, problem solved. <laughs> I'll let you know how it turns if out. If she turns down your money, <laughs> we'll come on up. over. Okay. Um, okay. So here's a question, not from me, but from um, Anne Marie Lindman. Something I always wonder, are parents okay with me posting photos of their kids on social media? I've done this with my cousin's kids in the past, but I've stopped because I thought I was crossing a line. I think it's fine. I mean, I think some parents have, like, strict social media policies of their own. Like, I, actually, I think Julia, our editor-in-chief, doesn't – she and her husband decided no, they don't want their kids on social media. So I guess if you know that, then doing it is, like, maybe – not cool, uh, although you might not know and then it's not your fault. But otherwise, I have no problem with it. I mean, my sister-in-law actually just posted some pictures from Christmas and one had Sam like hysterically crying because he got a DVD (laughs) that he didn't like for Christmas. And, you know, I generally don't post pictures of him hysterically crying because like (laughs) who wants to present that? Uh, But I was fine with it. I don't. One of Slate's uh, top uh, stories of 2014 was... Don't put your kids on social media at all. Right. I mean, that's a different thing than like whether if you're already on social media, it's okay for someone who's not the parent yeah. to post pictures. I, you know, I, th- I think it's fine. But if you, I mean, it also like, I guess it doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's sort of part of the atmosphere. It's part of being in the world is you have to expect that there'll be, you know, images that of you and your kids that end up on the Internet. Yeah. 
so okay, so this one is from uh, Lisa Macabosco. Sorry if I have completely butchered your name, Lisa. Um, so her question is, what is the etiquette about touching, handling other people's babies? I think I treat them like adults. I don't touch them unless invited, but I see others doing it all the time. It sounds like she really wants to be touching <laughs> other people's babies. Uh, but you should ask first, right? Um, I think so. I don't really know. Uh, my, my experience pre-kids I didn't want to touch any of them and was like always rejected like it was like if people would like force a baby on me I would be really like you know um, uh, hesitant and like I just didn't want drool and fluids and on their filthy creatures so uh, uh, but I don't think if it's it depends on who it is I mean if it's a stranger and you go up and you know start touching their baby that's weird but if it's a friend or a family member and you know you just say reach out and say give me the baby i think that's pretty normal yeah i don't i think it's just the dynamic only depends on the relationship i've been like in the bagel store with a new baby before and had like someone reach over the stroller and be like oh how sweet and they're like smoky <laughs> brooklyn hands touch the baby and i guess i'm not thrilled with that although the baby survived but yeah if your friend's coming over to see you and the baby i think it's like it's implied that not only are you supposed to touch the baby but you're supposed to hold the baby for like an hour and a half <laughs> Okay, so this next one is from Laura Helmuth, and it's actually a string of questions, which you can cher- you guys get to cherry pick whichever one you want to answer. So here, here we go. Which kid do you love the most? Are some kids more his and some more yours? What do you do to keep yourself from hurling them against the wall when you want to hurl them against the wall? Do you and your husband love each other less after having after the kids came, like with the dog? In a conflict, do you take your kid's side against the teacher's or unrelated kid's side, even though you logically know the odds of your kid being right all the time are very low? Do you ever get to eat what the grown-up wants? Do you notice when your house smells bad? Houses with babies always smell bad Sam <laughs> Harry is Allison's drink yes uh, <laughs> um, I lost the plot there <laughs> uh, wait I'll take a couple of them uh, always side with the teacher I and mean, we don't have a ton of experience with this but I my parents always did this and it drove me crazy but I think it's the right thing to do I really don't like when parents like assume yeah. their kid is always right and even if your kid is right and the teacher saw something wrong uh, unless you have like I don't know some really unusual situation where it's some teacher who's out to get your kids, but you're likely to think that more than is actually the case. Side with the teacher at least in front of your kid, and if you need to have a conversation with the teacher separately, okay. But if your kid comes home and is in trouble at school, your kid is in trouble at home, you know, as well. Uh, yeah, favorites. I mean, it rotates for me. I think it rotates. I think you do have favorites all the time, but when one kid is in a bad stage, that kid is not your favorite during that period of time. Uh, also, you have the kids, in our family at least, like you said, I think what you were saying is Sam is much more like you, which mm-hmm. is like naughty and doesn't give a shit. And Harry is much more like me, which is like neurotic and picks at things. <laughs> uh, I don't know what Wally is yet. Uh, how do you hurl, not hurl them against a wall? I think, honestly, you have a beer when you get home from work. And sometimes you are so angry that you need to step into another room. That has happened to me a couple of times. I have never... You know, I never thought I could understand how people hit their kids, but being a parent myself, I now can understand it, <laughs> although I would never do it. Uh, blah, blah, blah. My house doesn't smell. I don't know what you're talking about, Laura Helmet. <laughs> uh, only the hallway. Only the hallway near the diaper pail. Uh, I still, yes, when we had kids, we stopped loving our dog. I wrote a story about this. When we had kids, we did not stop loving each other, right? <laughs> right. <Fine. laughs> uh, yeah, I think we covered all of them. Okay, and this finally, this last one from Amanda Hess, how bad does it hurt? It, it hurts to have kids. It can be painful. It can be, it can, it, there's a lot of heartache in parenting. Uh, it hurts, Amanda. Uh, you've given me yet another um, opening to brag about. I was going to say, have you mentioned? That I, w- I, w- I would, I would, uh... Uh, I would. I didn't use an any of the times. Uh, it hurts, but it's worth it. And the high every every time she was awesome. begging for the epidural, the only reason she didn't get it was that it was too late in the process. Because I held off that long and most people break. For me, it was not about like natural or whatever. It was just about proving John wrong in some sort of sick competition. Uh, Anyway, it hurts, but it's worth it. Uh, But I'll never do it again.
Like scale of one to ten. I mean, it's the most painful thing I've ever experienced, so I guess ten. <laughs> ten, <laughs> ten, and ten. <laughs> but a good ten. Okay, thanks, guys. Those were really great questions. If you are one of our many uh, listeners who don't have kids and you have more questions like that, email us or uh, leave us a message, and we'll try to answer some more on the show at another time. All right, finally, recommendations. John. Uh, this is I'm I'd be shocked if this hasn't come up on this show before, but uh, there's a uh, I've been reading uh, Far from the Tree by Andrew Solomon, which is a book about the relationship between parents and children who have various uh, developmental disabilities or 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 that are different in some way from the parents. Um, so he, there's a chapter on the parents of deaf children. There's a chapter on the there's parents of gay children. There's parents of criminal children, um, and uh, it's I've, it's it's a highly highly well regarded book. Um, and I'm sure everyone, uh, most of the listeners have heard of it, but it's a really wonderful read. I have been, um, uh, you know, reading it at, at, at lunch over the last week while I've been, um, off work and I, you know, have been in tears at, at, uh, or nearing tears, uh, at, at, at the, the lunch counter. Um, it's just a really moving account of how parents grapple with, um, children that are, 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 that that appear to be or might be fundamentally different from them and how that love parental love bridges those divides. Um, my recommendation is not nearly as profound or serious. I'm going to recommend zip lines for adults. <laughs> <laughs> when we were away for Christmas at my mother-in-law's farm, she had a zip line set up for the kids, but it was really for probably our oldest kid, Harry, who was too scared to do it. So John did it. And, and so I, I recommend both watching your spouse zipline, uh, watching their rear end touch the grass as they go by, and then doing yourself. It's really fun. Ziplines for adults. Do it. Feel free. Uh, and that's our show. Please email us at slate.com with your thoughts about today's show, parenting tips, and suggestions for future topics. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and please call us with your questions at 424-255-7833. Thanks to our producer, Ann Hepperman, to the managing editor of Slate Podcast, Joel Meyer, and to Andy Bowers, executive producer of all Slate Podcasts. Thanks to everyone who called in with their resolutions and uh, wrote in with questions. Thanks to great dad and husband, John Cook, for filling in for Dan. Thanks, hon. Thanks, Dan, for going away so I could hang out with my husband during the day. And thank you all for listening. Happy New Year. You'll be home around like 430. <laughs> with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.